0: Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Halliwell and Clay Emo.
1: Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark here on Monday, November the 22nd. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, we anticipated that in November we'd be having a fun time talking about a team that's, you know, middle of the pack maybe and looking forward to the next, you know, four or five months of fun, exciting hockey. But today we get to talk about uh, sadness and coaching and the GM and the owner and all of this fun stuff. Uh, So I hope you guys are strapped in for a fun show clay as always
0: my co-host how are you doing this evening parker my friend by the way i love the hair can Thank i you. say that right <laughs> i love it i love maybe, maybe i haven't seen your hair before are you usually wearing a hat or is it your hair look different i you? usually just
1: have it up ah okay but now it's just uh it's just fresh today
0: <laughs> well you look fresh uh you know not that i'm an expert on good haircuts obviously the, it's been rough I must admit my positivity has been tested a little bit. I'm still positive. I'm still hopeful, but it's been rough, man. I know we're going to talk about it for the next hour, but just give me like five seconds of relaxation and bliss here. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: No, I I saw that you had replied to um, to like, I guess you were listening to Sportsnet today, and I saw your tweet saying that it looks pretty tough for the Canucks to make the playoffs. That's pretty (laughs) negative for you. Uh, so that sort of yeah. uh, really paints a picture of how things are going uh, yeah. for the Canucks. Uh, 80 points
0: in 63 games—that's all we need, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're on a they're on a 60 point pace. They're doing fine. They just have to go from a 60 point pace, like 110 point pace. That's easy, right? You just have oh. to get twice as good. Uh, so as always, as always, we're gonna give a recap, sort of the last week. Only three games that we uh, that w- uh, happened since we last did a show—a three game homestand. And when we talked about this last week. Really, as the Canucks, you know, you know, as they start to run out of time, they need to start winning more and more games on these stretches. And one of them was uh, you know, looking at this week, it was okay, well, they gotta win two of them, right? Uh, and that was yeah. sort of where we were at. And I think we both predicted one. No, you predicted one, one, and one, I think. Yeah. And I think I said oh and three.
0: <laughs> uh, so we we're both like, wrong.
1: We we're both wrong. Somewhere in the middle. The Canucks <laughs> go one and two on this homestand. Uh, not a very dramatic homestand when it comes to like fan uh, dissatisfaction, like booing in the stands or anything, because all these games were pretty close, right? They were all fairly exciting, uh, one-goal games, basically, other than the first one, um, which was against Colorado anyways, so I don't think people are going to be too upset by a two-goal loss. Um, I guess, do you want to just get started and and break these down?
0: Yeah, let's go chronologically. You know I like to do that, but Parker, I'm going to give you props. I actually think you said one and two. Because oh, did I? I remember, I remember saying to you, "Well, I'm going to go a tiny bit better and give them a, a, another point and go one one I think so. I'll but take maybe it. I'm, yeah, maybe I'm completely off. So,
1: so the Canucks didn't play till Wednesday uh, this week was their first game of the week, and you're going to say this, see the same thing this week. Canucks having another little two-day break because they don't play until Wednesday uh, again. Uh, but this game four-two against the Colorado Avalanche and a fairly interesting one. Um, that was at least tight until it sort of fell apart in the third period. So, uh, Colorado opened the scoring in the first, uh, with a Rantanen goal. Then we had Connor Garland scoring in the second. And this was a, a stupidly nice goal, uh, where he just <laughs> steps into a slap shot in the left circle to tie it. Uh, you have Tucker Pullman, uh, get, getting his first of the year's first in the last two years. Uh, and then Colorado scored three goals and the Canucks lost.
0: Yeah, they uh, this is the one where Quinn Hughes took that kind of not so smart penalty, right? Yeah, he chased
1: um, was it Gerard? He chased Girard, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he yeah. chased Gerard down because he was angry on sort of a hit in the into the boards and the offensive zone. It was a pretty clean hit. Um, yeah, it's, but they're not calling that you know late in a one goal game, um, because the ref the rule book doesn't matter, it's about game management, uh, but that's a whole nother topic uh <laughs> yeah. but yeah the uh you know, he goes down, takes a dumb penalty, uh, and then uh Colorado capitalizes, they score two goals early in the third period, uh only fifty fifty three seconds apart, uh and that just kind of sealed it. uh Canucks tried to come back late uh and they just couldn't get the job done
0: yeah you you've kind of hinted at it earlier, Parker, uh, of the three games, this is probably the one where you would say the Canucks would probably have the the least chance of winning when you look at when you look at, forget the the actual standings, the quality of opposition. I know Winnipeg is way higher than, so f- go figure, right? We beat the team that's higher in the standings. I know they were tired. We'll get to that. But yeah, this is the one where you thought maybe the Canucks might struggle a little bit. And yeah, they really had no match for the skill of McCarr and Ranton And and they, that was without McKinnon, right?
1: Yeah, it was without McKinnon. And I do want to you know give some props to... Uh, I, the, so the second period, the Canucks were great, right? In yeah. this game, the, I think the shots were like 15 to seven in the second period. Um, they were, they were all over them. Um, and they just, you know, they just couldn't score enough goals, right? They scored two goals, uh, on 34 shots. And again, you know, t- tell me if you heard this one before Canucks power play goes 0 for three avalanche oh. goes three for five. So oh. they score all three of their goals other than the one with 11 seconds left, uh, on the man advantage. Uh, as special teams, you know, killed the Canucks again, it was a game that was winnable uh, against, you know, the avalanche and, and you take those, if you can pull it a win uh, and you give yourself an opportunity to win, you have to seize it when you can. Uh, but the, the, the penalty kill killed them once again.
0: Yeah. But at least here's one positive. That's the last time the Canucks have given up a power play goal.
1: That is true. <laughs> um, so this game was after this game, there was a stat. So you say, oh, they went two games that allowing a power play goal. Well, they were, this was the first time the Vancouver Canucks had allowed power play goals in 10 straight games since 2009, uh, 10 straight games like power play goals and lots of the multiple power play goals. Uh, so the penalty kill going two for five. Uh, and there were some other things that frustrated me in this first game. Uh, the Canucks have these stretches where they don't get shots. And it happened yeah. last night. And you know, we'll talk about that when we get to that game. But yeah. the Canucks in the first period had a shot just over a minute into the game and they didn't get another shot for about 10 and a half minutes in the first <laughs> period. And, you know, they, start started to come alive at the end of the period. They had like 12 shots at the end of the first period, but it's something that's crazy to me because at the end of the third, the Canucks go eight and a half minutes without a shot. Again, uh, they have, f- they get five shots in the third period while they're down a goal to the Colorado avalanche. Like it's. There's just no fight. There's no pushback. uh, And that was, I think, the most disappointing thing about that
0: game. A dump in from center, as long as it hits the goalie, that counts as a shot, right? It does. Yes. So you're telling me in eight and a half minutes in a third period in a game where you're literally fighting for your job and your life and they couldn't put a puck on the goalie.
1: Nope. Couldn't even get it close, apparently. Uh, So, so that's the, that's the first game uh, that we want to break down. And then. The Canucks win a game Uh, two nights later on Friday. The Canucks take on Winnipeg, a team that has been notoriously impossible for them to beat. Um, But they come out and they get the job done. Uh, And if I pull up my notes for this one, as I as I like to do. um, So this game starts off with a uh, with an Oliver Ekman Larson goal, Um, you know, about 14 minutes in uh, shot from the point gets through sort of sneaks through Comrie. Uh, to make it one, nothing, but the Canucks weren't the better team, uh, in this game that especially not in the first period we had a, we get a goal from Kyle Burroughs, uh, which was pretty, uh, pretty sweet. And then, um, Nick Ealer scores for the, uh, for Winnipeg, Connor Garland scores for the Canucks. And I think that was the, that was the one with the shot, not the game before. Yeah. I think I got it mixed up. Um, and then, uh, Winnipeg scored late, but it wasn't enough. Uh, and the Canucks held on in this one.
0: Yeah, the Garland one was nice. That was the one we're chased on. You know, As much as we rag on chase on, that was a beautiful pass from the corner, actually, from the the bottom corner out to Garland. It was nice to see Burles get his first career NHL uh, goal, and it was nice that Ekman Larson and Garland's goals were on the power play. I know we'll get to that. So overall, even though Winnipeg was higher in the standings, they had just come off a pretty uh, deflating but exciting loss against Edmonton the night before that went to, I think, overtime or shootout. So this was a tired team that played the night before, so you would expect the Canucks to win it kind of the same situation last night, different result, but yeah, this one was good. Um, the Canucks. Yeah. They didn't dominate the game. As you said, in fact, uh, Winnipeg started strong actually, but uh, it was nice to see at least at this point, they'd even out their homestand at one and one.
1: Yeah. And um, so my pluses for this game was the yeah. Canucks scored in their first two power plays, right? They went <laughs> two for three on the power play, which was big for them. It's the, you know, the reason that they won most likely. Um, but the bigger reason is that they didn't allow a power play goal against because they didn't take a penalty in this game. I think they might've had one that was coincidental. Yes. Um, but obviously that doesn't matter. It was four on four. Um, but the Canucks go without taking a single penalty in this game. Uh, and it's enough to, to keep them in it. Cause you know, if they took one, they were allowing a goal. Yeah. Um, but the Canucks able to hang on shots and this one were 39, 29 for Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg was sort of piling it on and especially in the last like two minutes of this game, the Canucks were really on their heels. Um, and, and Winnipeg, it looked like they were going to claw it back, but the Canucks
0: were able, uh, to survive that push. Yeah. That, uh, you know, not to dwell on the negatives. The only, uh, the only go I didn't like the Nick Ehlers one, he did a really nice move, but Quinn Hughes, I don't know what he was doing. He kind of followed, he to the boards yeah. and then realized, oh, dang, I better cover this guy. And then he wasn't <laughs> fast nor strong enough to fight Ehlers off the puck.
1: Yeah, he just got beat, and yeah. uh, Nick Ealers is a, a heck of a player. Um, yeah. He looked great uh, that night, but um, yeah, Canucks pull that one out, and then we get um, the fun game, the most fun game of the uh, of the home which was last night, and it's Chicago beating the Canucks one to nothing, and everything was lined up for the Canucks to win this game. Uh, Chicago is bad. Uh, Chicago is coming off of a back-to-back game that was like 22 hours before, I think it was seven o'clock the night before, maybe six o'clock the night before. And this game was at five o'clock local time. So they, it was one of those games where it was just like, it was, and Thomas Drance uses this term sort of a scheduled loss, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you just, you get a couple of those a year where you're, you're going, you're on the road, sort of end of a road trip, back-to-back games. Um, you're just, it's, they're really tough to win. And the Vancouver Canucks were the much better team last night. Uh, And it wasn't that close. Shots in this game out of being 40-24, to um, but only one goal being scored by Brandon Hagel, of all people. And I think in the first game that the Canucks played against the Blackhawks, Hagel was also like really noticeable out there. Yeah, his name name rings a bell for sure. Yeah, I don't know what it is about him. Uh, I think I, I can actually pull up my notes from the previous time. (laughs) uh and i'm just gonna search for Hagel. yeah while you're doing Uh, yeah i gave him my game puck (laughs) last time they played
0: so that's why he was that good well and yeah yeah and the one goal and we can talk about the goals because there's only one of them it was tough because not only and that one was right in front of me is because myers was not only screening demko but he didn't he didn't he did both he didn't he screened demko and he didn't tie up Hagel's stick so you want them to do one or the other, right? Either not screen Temko or, or, yeah. or tie up the guy, and unfortunately, that was the only goal of the entire game, despite some really good chances and a bunch of iron from the Canucks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you look at you know special teams. Canucks killed all three penalties, but they didn't score on their three power play chances. Yeah. Although um, it looked
0: dangerous on some of them, they
1: yeah. did. They actually looked pretty good. Um, My biggest takeaways from this game. Uh, Pod Colson is awesome. Uh, yeah. He really upped his stock. They put him out there with Garland and Pedersen at one point. Yes. Uh, and that, that unit looked really dangerous and just really fun. Uh, so I suspect we'll see that coming back uh, in the near future. I hope so. Uh, Demko was great. Uh, yeah. You know, 23 to 24. You can't complain too much there. The team didn't score in front of him. Um, Canucks had 30 shots in the first two periods of this game, uh, they mm-hmm. were all over him. Um, but there were some minuses, right? Uh, the posts, I think, they shrunk the nets a little bit because uh, yeah. clearly they they weren't regulation. The Canucks hit like six posts in this game. Uh, I think Travis Hamnick played pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they went like I so I mentioned earlier that sort of the, these stretches that they go on without any shots. This game to start the third period, oh, they no. didn't get their first shot on goal for seven minutes. Keep in mind, they were down a goal for the last three minutes of that stretch, and then they get two quick shots on net, and then they go another nine and a half minutes without a shot on goal. So basically from the zero to seven minute mark, and then like the eight to 17 minute mark, the Canucks didn't have shots. They're down a goal and they didn't get a shot from a forward in the third period until there was like three minutes left in the game. Playing against a team that had played less
0: than 24 hours prior.
1: Yeah, and not a good team, right? A team that started out the season with nine losses, fired their coach, won a handful of games after that, uh, and are being backstopped by an excellent goalie. But if you go that long without testing a goalie, you're not going to score any goals.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate because and those 10 minutes that you talked about, Parker, those first seven or eight minutes in the third, that's when chicago scored there, and in essence it it killed the connection well no you should have you should be able to score at least one or at least press for one so it's not it was an automatic loss but that's exactly when they had their little their lull is when chicago scored mm. so and it's just one of those i don't know what it felt like when you're watching it but it just seemed like on oh, as as the game went on you maybe flurry is going to shut us out it just had that vibe to it
1: yeah it absolutely did and i think yeah. i i think i tweeted out um, if the Canucks, this was at six 35, this would be like second intermission. <laughs> I said, if the Canucks lose a game that they're up 30 to 13 in shots after two periods, that would be on brand. Uh, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. They, uh, they, they it was zero zero at that point, but I knew, I mean, I just knew that the, it, it was over. Um, the Canucks yeah. weren't going to be the team that scored, uh, yeah.
0: cause it's just the way she goes. I will say that PD Garland Podkosen line. So Green went to it once in the first period, then went back to it in the second period. And that's when it was on my side of the ice. That's when they had that crazy one-minute shift where yeah. Pete and Garland went tick, uh, you know, back and forth, give and go about four times while Podcosen snuck into the slot. That was nice. Myers actually had a couple bombs that almost went in. That was a pretty fun shift. It was really fun, actually.
1: Yeah, it was super fun to watch, especially yeah. you know, on the broadcast, because you could hear sort of the excitement build, right? Shorthouse right. shortest is so good at that of of you know, parlaying the the feel of the game into his into his voice, yeah. where he just that excitement builds in his voice, you just know something's going to happen, uh, and it was really excellent, uh, really fun to watch. And yeah, I, I can't believe they didn't go back to it with how dangerous it looked, uh, especially for that one st- uh, that one stretch.
0: What's well, this? I heard. Um, I was there. You think I'd be paying better attention? Was did Chase on? play over PD for a portion of the last power play of the game or something with a couple minutes left.
1: I don't, th- I didn't notice. It. I think chase okay. on might've been out there first and then oh, okay. Patterson came on after. Um, right. but Patterson was definitely teams? out there cause they were trying to run it through Patterson uh, yeah, with like yeah. a minute and a half left. They were just trying to feed him the one timer over and yeah. over again. And Did I had some Garland? people
0: Garland trying to hide.
1: <laughs> yeah. He was sneaking in there uh, at the back post. Um, I had some people complaining, uh, in my, in my post game chat yesterday about how, You know why are they running everything through Pedersen on this? You know last two minutes, like, aren't there more dangerous options? And I, I don't think so. I think, I think Pedersen, even though he has been struggling, I think he's still the most dangerous shot option um, from that side. And I mean, we saw the one shot that just handcuffed Flurry completely that he just got enough of, and then the other one that he got the toe down on. um, I mean, those are close to going in. Uh, You know, just it it was a goalie that wasn't going to get beat.
0: You play defense, right? Sometimes. Okay. No, no, no Usually, sorry. I, I, Positionally, I, do you play defense or forward? Uh, I
1: play forward most of the time,
0: but I used to play defense. Okay. But you, at least you play hockey and you understand it. Tell me, because the old debate, especially on a power play, some would say when I, when I was watching last night, I had a good view. Chicago was so good at, at blocking all the lanes, right? So it's very easy for us to yell, shoot, shoot, shoot. And we yeah. think that they're being too patient but honestly if you shoot it wrong and it and they do a really good block it's gone the other way and you, they empty that air and you're you're done right versus right. hammering away at the puck getting a deflection getting it to the net maybe it going off of someone and hurting them like where do you come out on that i i'm sure it's somewhere in the middle but where do you come yeah, out yeah i mean
1: yeah. there there's a line right at uh, at some point when you're down a goal with 40 seconds left or whatever at some point you got to get you got to try to get a puck on net yeah. uh, you can't go for the perfect shot but once you get a small window, even if it's not perfect, but it's like mm-hmm. a lane just to get the puck on net, especially that late, you have six offensive guys out there. Yeah. You have two guys just standing in front of the net um, guys who are, you know, pretty good at, you know, getting you know garbage goals if they need to. Uh, so at that point, I, I think while using Pedersen is a great option and because that lane did seem to be open more so, and, and he does have a great shot. Um, you know, I I would have been fine seeing you know Quinn Hughes just throwing a wrister from the point mm-hmm. if he had a lane to get it through, right? Yeah. Uh, just for the chance of you know maybe it takes a weird bounce or a weird tip yeah. or, uh, it just flurry can't handle it uh, and you have a chance to sort of bang home a rebound or something like that. Um, I I think you know pucks on net is never a bad option. Uh, yeah. at that point in the game.
0: Yeah. And we've seen Hughes score that way before. His shot's mm-hmm. not the hardest but he's smart and he's, he is able to get it through, but yeah, they did that back and forth about three or four times. Right. Trying to um, draw the defender, get it back to you yeah. on the circle and then
1: kaboom. Yeah. It can be tough to get that lane that, especially with the extra guy out. Cause there's, yeah. you know, there's, you're literally talking about six guys lined up sometimes between the, the shooter and the net. So sure. You know, maybe it's tough to get that through and it's a bad idea, but um, I mean, you know, flurry's not going to see it right <laughs> at no. that point. So if yeah. you can sort of see a gap to get it through and you can put it there, uh, then it does help, but um, you know I can definitely see why he would uh, he would be second guessing that shot there.
0: What's wrong with Besser? Do you think?
1: I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. He he just does. He looks sort of a step behind. Um, he's not. He just a little bit hesitant. I I don't have a real diagnosis. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, we saw last night he had one shot on net uh, in a game where the team had forty. Uh, you'd be expecting bester to have like four or five at least right yeah. um and considering that's his bread and butter that's the his best ability i mean if you look at the time on ice he was i think fifth among forwards um so not sort of as high as you expect him to be he was behind right. Peterson, horvat miller and garland all of them by at least three minutes basically huh. Uh bester played 16 20 last night okay
0: but when garland has six shots on goal and pds five you're right parker bester's gonna have more than one
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we have Horvat had three, Miller had four, Um, you know, Pearson had three, Pod Colson had two. Right? Where you guys had? I had three. Yeah, I'm not even playing. Might as yeah, yeah. (laughs) for sure.
0: It's yeah, that's yeah, that's tough. Uh, I don't know if it's you know, it was rumored to be an ankle, right, in the in the preseason, or maybe it it goes back to the off season. It's tough because I like him and we we want him to do well, and we got this fat seven point five dollar qualifying offer. We have to think about it's you want him to do well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we always want the best for our players. Um, but at this point, I mean, does Brock Besser firing at all cylinders fix the team? No. Does mm. Elias Petterson firing at all cylinders fix the team? No. If both of them do, uh, and, you know, I mean, horvat has been getting a lot of flack the last couple of days um, yeah. based on his play. I mean, he doesn't have a point in, I think, six games. Mm. Um which is you know not great for a guy who you know is supposed to be one of your better goal scorers, right? Uh, going yeah. six games without a goal, uh, the team loses four of them I think, or at least five of them. I think they lost five of them. Yeah, it's just not good.
0: Yeah, they've lost six in the last. Seven. Yeah, Bo, he's good when he's rushing the net. Uh, sometimes predictable, right? He likes he loves that outside in move or inside yeah. out, whatever it is. And I noticed Parker too. He he likes to try and do that quick wrist shot, but I. I think he could use his teammates a little bit more. Maybe he's trying hard because he wants so badly to lead and to be a difference maker. But yeah, his his offense is completely dried up for sure. Yeah,
1: he's a very streaky player, and he always has been, right? I mean, yeah. he goes on those runs, like the running against St. Louis where he was just, you know, dominant um, in the playoffs. But, I mean, you look at his last uh, six games. Uh, yeah, so he doesn't have a point in seven games now. But his last six games, he's been a minus. I know plus minus isn't a great stat, but he's been a minus (laughs) in all six of these last games. Uh, Minus one against Colorado, minus two against Vegas, and then minus one the last four games Yikes! as well.
0: Yikes. By the way, speaking of plus minus, did you see that Quinn Hughes has sneakily had a pretty good year plus minus wise? Yeah, I think analytically
1: he's been really good as well um, by most metrics. Right, Um, right. Yeah. He's, he's had a good, he's had a good season so far, but you know, it's just, uh, it just hasn't been enough.
0: Wow. 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 So what was good about last night's game then for you, for anything, aside from that PD Pudkos and Garland? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, they were the better team last night. Uh, and and I think that's something to, but again, they should have been the better team, right? As we said, Blackhawks coming off of a back-to-back Blackhawks are not good. It was a game that the Canucks should have won. They should have been the better team and they met that, Sort of bare minimum. They just also didn't win the game, which is also sort of the bare minimum.
0: Can we talk about big picture? Uh, not like super big picture, but at least the homestand. Is that okay? Sure. Real quick. Yeah. So the Canucks well, get... go one and yeah. two. Yeah. Go ahead. And it's it's literally it's literally the the description of one step forward, two steps back. Like yeah. Sure, they played a bit better, but if you're talking, and this is what I want to get to, Parker, the the connects keep making these bold declarations. We'll see how we do on the road trip, right? That one with the Colorado Vegas. Oh, we'll see how we do on this homestand. Well, guess what? We've actually lost ground by going one and two. Now it's, we'll see how we do on this five game roast. Well, uh, how many times are you going to see what happens before you actually do something?
1: Yeah. It's this weird sort of treading water thing that they're doing where they, the, the heat really picked up during that five game losing streak, but then they kept a couple of them close and they weren't like super bad losses at the end. And like, okay, well then we'll, you know, now we'll focus on the homestand because the road trip was bad. Uh, They lost the, you know, the, the, the heat turned up. Now we'll look at the homestand. Well, the homestand wasn't terrible. I mean, they beat the jets. They were the better team against Chicago. That's not bad enough to fire people. Is it now we go to this road trip. Right. And it's like, well, if the Canucks go, how long is the road trip? Six games, seven games, Uh, five, 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 five. Oh, the Canucks go two and three on the road trip. That's not that's not terrible, right? But they slowly <laughs> lose ground. Or even if they go three and two on their road trip, right? Yeah. That's not enough to, to make any impact on the standings, right? They will be in the exact same place as they were probably the exact same amount of points back just with less games left to play. Yeah. So it, they, you know, anything less than four and one is not good enough at this
0: point. Yeah. They have to start stringing some wins together. I heard they have not have they even won consecutive games once this year yet? They might have early in the yeah. season, but I mean,
1: they only won six games. Yeah, so we only had six not. to choose <laughs> Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I don't want to spend time looking it up, but I, I don't think they have.
0: No, I, I think we remembered, right? Because I, I don't remember us ever saying they did. Yeah, but they they did? beat
1: the Blackhawks on October in 21st Seattle, right? and the Kraken on the 23rd. Okay. And then they lost three in a row.
0: We beat the Blackhawks already? What was the score of that one? 4 1. Nice. Yeah. Two, and yeah, that, that was, was last night yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So if we talk about the road trip coming up, right. Uh, we, the Canucks have Pittsburgh on Wednesday. That's going to be tough. Uh, it just is. Um, Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they might not be the team they once were. Where are they in the standings right now? They're eight, six and four. So sort of middle of the pack in the Metro. Mm -hmm. Um, They're on a three-game winning streak right now. They probably play – they might play tomorrow. I don't know if they're on a back-to-back or not. Uh, No, they played tonight. They beat the Jets today. Um, And so they return home, take on Vancouver on Wednesday. Um, I mean, do you see the Canucks winning this game? (laughs) Uh, I
0: I can't say with a lot of confidence, no.
1: No, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, maybe like a 30% chance. Yeah. Um, and then they, and then they have, let me go back a little Columbus, bit. Columbus who's better. And they have Columbus, which, you know, that's going to be a hard game, uh, on Friday. yeah. And then they have Boston, which is going to be a hard game on Sunday.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they have Montreal and Ottawa, which should both be winnable. But we, I mean, we're talking about winnable as in, because Montreal is bad, but Montreal is not that much worse than the Canucks right? They have one yeah. less win, but they, <laughs> like they are
0: worse. Technically there's only they are worse. three or four teams worse than us. And those are two of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you look at it and you say, Oh wow. So if the Canucks lose to Pittsburgh, lose to Columbus, lose to Boston, win the last two, they go two and three. Well, that's not good enough. Let's say they sneak out a win against Columbus and, sure. you know, they they go three and two, but that's still, you know, that's, we're just treading water at this point.
0: Yes. They, yeah. It's it, Parker. I was thinking about this as I was, Thinking about our show tonight, I can't believe we are not even a quarter way through the season and we're already writing the season off. That's just so upsetting, honestly.
1: Yeah. And it's, we're we're not even at the
0: 20 game mark.
1: Yeah. And we can, you know, we can talk all we want about, oh, well, you know, we're still, you know, we're only, we're not even at the 20 game mark. Right. There's still three quarters of the season left. They can turn it around, but yeah. It doesn't happen very often. We don't no. see teams turn it around from this far back because you have to, you know, if you want to hit that 94 point marker, 95 point marker, you have to go on like 110, 120 point pace for the yeah. rest of the season. You have to play the last 60 games of the season phenomenally. You have to win like 38 of them. Yeah. It's just, it's just not it's just not really feasible for a team that has started out six, 11 and two has allowed 16 more goals than they've scored and can't kill a penalty to save their lives.
0: Yeah. And, and Austin respectfully, I've seen a lot of people bring up the 2019 St. Louis blues. And I get that. Cause that's a very yeah. recent Shh. example against a team, but give me another a, example. Yeah, exa- well, right? yeah <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. I, I, I guess that's your point. Right? It's, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's an outlier, right? Like it's a uh, outliers yeah. happen. Sure. The yeah. Canucks could do it. Uh, The Athletic right now has them at a 4% chance of making the playoffs. That's not zero, right? They could, you know, they have a one in 25 chance statistically uh, of pulling it off. But do you, from what you've seen from this team, they're not one piece away. They're not, you know, they're not a coaching change away, most likely from at least, you know, not, I mean, 19 games in, but not this late, right? Maybe eight games ago, but you know, more losses pile up and, and suddenly, you know, you have to start winning more games and it's uh, it's, you need a real, a real turnaround.
0: And that's a crazy thing. So as positive as I am and want to be and purport to be, when I hear you say Parker, we still have 63 games left. We still have three quarters of the season on one hand. Yes. That's a lot of time, but that, that further cements our point is I can't believe that we are already talking about this with still sixty three games left. That means we got to a bad point so quickly. It's it's almost you yeah you be able to yeah it's ridiculous. It's the
1: same thing that happened to the Canucks last year, right? Yeah, uh, just on a tighter time scale. Right, last season was a yeah. fifty six game season, but like fifteen <laughs> games in, the Canucks had only won a handful, and we're looking at okay, well, there's just even though they were. Statistically, very unlucky in February of last season. Like, it wasn't that they were playing terribly, they weren't playing great. But right. I think analytically, like, their expected goals percentage was close to 50, and they were at like 30 or something of um, actual goals. Like, they were getting super unlucky last year, but it was enough to really just tank the team, right? Yeah. Uh, I think they, you know, you win like three of your first 11 games and you're just out of it, right? Like, it's just, it, mm-hmm. it comes up on you really quick.
0: Wow. Wow. I know someone brought up to me, I think it was Justin brought up to me that they went nine, they went they won nine out of eleven last March. So let's say they do that right now. Let's say they won nine out of eleven. They then they'd be 15, 13, and two, right? Yeah. You had nine wins, two losses. So 15, 13, and two, that's 32 points in 15, 13 in 30 games. That's still not playoff. So even if they go yeah, yeah.
1: It wouldn't put them in a playoff spot, but it would put them on track to at least compete for one, right? Okay. They right, they would right. be a lot more, you know, they would have a lot better chance. But what do you think is more likely? They win nine of the next 11 or they lose nine of the next 11?
0: Well, I hate to say the <laughs> latter. I know it's not the former, and but that's the whole point. If they go in the middle, five or six out of 11, that doesn't get them.
1: Doesn't do anything. No. Yeah.
0: Now I'm sad, man.
1: Yeah, it's hard to be, it's hard to have. What did you call
0: this? The Canucks are uh, cursed. Yeah, Canucks
1: are cursed. And I think the thumbnail was just, uh, yeah, I said six wins, 13 losses. The team is cursed was the uh, the thumbnail as well. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it is a, it is rough sledding. Uh, And all, because of all this, the Canucks are making headlines (laughs) around the NHL. Which is crazy because usually, like, no one really focuses on the Canucks that much, right? Because people on the East Coast are asleep by the time the Canucks are playing. And, uh, you know, the, the Canucks don't really make national news all that much, right? There's the yeah. occasional Elliot Friedman piece, and that's kind of it. But we have people like Tim uh, from Tim and Friends on Sportsnet, nationally broadcast, uh, coming out and saying that they need to fire Jim Benning. We have Dom Lecision at The Athletic putting out an article and retweeting this article a lot, like, he's pushing it a lot on his Twitter. <laughs> Um, saying that it's time for the Canucks to break up with Jim Benning, um, it's it is around the NHL. People are saying that it's time. It's not just Canucks fans, like it has been at least a subset of them for the last few years. It's it feels like it has to be a matter of time.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Tim and and. And Domicijian. And then, of course, and you mentioned Elliot Friedman almost in passing, but we know that he is so connected, so influential. And honestly, Parker, I hear him three times a day now because whenever I'm late for work, I hear him at 9 o'clock when him and Jeff Merrick are doing the thing. Then I hear him on Donnie and Dolly, right? And then sometimes yeah. have him on the – and he's saying, yeah, you're right. Him, among others, are saying there's a lot of chatter right now that maybe – everyone's kind of aligning themselves to they're kind of picking sides and and they're trying to make sure that their job is safe or maybe it's something in the locker room. There's just so many what ifs. And meanwhile, it's like
1: survivor. Why is this (laughs) happening? Why are there, why are, why are the Canucks turning into a reality TV show where it's like, man, heads are going to roll. I better not be on the side of the, of those guys. Right. I got to build an alliance with the people who are going to stick around through all this. Yeah. And it's like, why is that an option? Like, why is that? That is, like, that's a is great it,
0: analogy, survivor. Yeah. Like,
1: is, like is that. this team, like, is, is the people making the decision so disconnected from what's actually going on that people picking a side in the organization is going to be enough for them to stay on board? I think that's absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I'm not sure because I didn't ask you before if you have a banner for this or if we can talk about it. Have you heard now this thought about bringing in a a president, someone who's above Jim Benning, someone to replace the Trevor Linden that hasn't replaced in the last few years and at least kick the can down the road a little bit where you have the president come in, analyze everything and then decide what he's going to do with his GM and with his coach. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it really depends on the dynamic that ownership is looking for, right? We've heard... Mm -hmm. Chatter so for so long that Jim Benning is sort of in his pocket to the point where you know he, he'll he just you know Aquilini has a lot of control over decisions, uh, because Jim Benning will sort of do whatever he's told. Um, w- if that's the case, why would Francesco hire someone to get in between them, right? Um, I, I don't, I, I feel like it goes because lot, of, I think it's what the people want, right? The people want sort of an unbiased president to go into the middle and say, Kate Francesco and, and ownership as a whole, I get the final say now, right? I am, I oversee everything and I, and I am doing what's best for the team and that's final, right? But based on the way that this group has operated in the past, and what they've shown us. Right. I mean, they've shown us who they are for the last, you know, six, seven, eight years. Right. At some point we should believe what they're showing us. Uh, and it's that they, that they want the control and they, they, you know, there's a reason that they didn't hire a president after Linden was amicably departed. Um, so I, I, I would like it. I just don't see it happening.
0: What's been the mood like in your post game live streams?
1: um, frustration and just kind of being tired of telling the same story. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I feel like after every game, it's like, okay, hey, well, what else can I say? The penalty kill allowed three goals and the Canucks didn't play very good. And they allowed 38 shots and, and Demko was fine. And, uh, Petter Patterson and Besser haven't weren't great again. Garland was really good. Puck Colson's looking fine. I mean, I've, I've just described the last 12 games basically, yeah. Uh, except for the wins Uh and you know, it's just, it feels like I'm, a, I feel like, it feels like I'm a broken record at this point.
0: <laughs> I know. We, I know we talked about this either last show or two shows ago, how it's just more fun. You look forward to doing a stream or a video or a vlog when the connects are winning. It's just, there's more to talk about. There's more positive things to talk about. People want to talk about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, we were talking about that, that Winnipeg game earlier and it was, and it was a Friday night. Is yep. that game at seven o'clock or at five o'clock? Uh,
0: Is that an early what, one? It was here. No, it was seven.
1: Seven. Okay. Yep. Um, that was a game that if I wasn't doing a post game show, I don't think I would have watched it for the first time. That was a wow. feeling that I had going into going into that, that that's game the night. That was yeah. the first time that I was like if I didn't feel obligated to do this, I don't think I would. Like, I I think I would have, you know, called up a friend and done something or just hung out at home and, and took it easy. Uh, And that was, it was the game they won. And it was a fun post game show. Uh, But that was the first time, you know, this season that I've had that feeling. I had that feeling last year, of course, you know, in the sort of death march as we've had in the past. And uh, but that was the, it was the first time that I felt
0: that uh, so far this year that Winnipeg one was interesting cuz I I brought a friend who's from here who now works in Winnipeg but happened to be here visiting his his father so I said well fine I'm going to bring you the game it's perfect it's Winnipeg and Vancouver he so he cheered for Vancouver like the, the Canucks won. but he was saying some interesting things like he's got he shares seasons for the Winnipeg Jets he actually said that um the crowd it, you know more to cheer about in Winnipeg he also referenced the fact that vancouver can never win when they play in winnipeg you know that too you mentioned yeah. that but he also said that our game presentation was actually better here than in winnipeg there's more stuff to keep the fans engaged and i, I bring that up Parker, crazy because, P. yeah <laughs> i'm just laughing because he actually got fire bending out of his section you saw the i know she I saw, saw the
1: yeah. yeah i saw the video yeah
0: <laughs> anyways what my whole point is um even in the arena they're gonna to start to get a little more restless. We've heard a couple of fire, you know, I've experienced a couple fire bending chants that are quickly muted by the organist or or the DJ. But still, uh, yeah, who knows if they if they don't do well over the next five games on the road, who knows what they're gonna come back to?
1: Yeah, and it it really came down to how those games went, right? I mean, we yeah. looked at the the first game, the lo- the Canucks lost by one, but they were in it the whole game, and they, lo- they lost by two, but there was a goal with ten seconds left. Sure, um, they they beat Winnipeg. Uh, and then last night they lost one, nothing, but they outplayed Chicago and it was a one goal game the whole time. And it was at least exciting. So there wasn't much opportunity, right? If one of these games had been, you know, three, nothing in the second yeah. period, yeah. I mean, then all bets are off. Right. And I, I think the Canucks got lucky with how these last three games went right? Um, in that regard. But, you know, yeah, I, th- I mean, game presentation can only do so much. I think their presentation is pretty good. Uh, and It has mm-hmm. definitely improved over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can only go so far.
0: (sighs) When's your next one? Do you have plans?
1: Uh, to go to one. Yeah. Yeah. I just check every once in a while and and see how cheap cheap they are. (laughs) If it hits, if it hits like 20 bucks, then I'm like, Hey, well I might as well. Right. Uh, even if I, you know, I'm just there to, to hang out, not care as much about the hockey at some point, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of casually looking.
0: Yeah. That's fair.
1: (sighs) Oh. Hmm. Um. Do we want to go to sort of the the bigger news rumors that dropped today?
0: Yeah. Let's go to that.
1: Okay. Let's see if I can pull up the article. Uh, the first article I believe came from the province had it first. Ben Kuzma. Uh, ben Kuzma, yeah. uh, and this was apparently the uh, the Minnesota Wild have been making some phone calls about JT Miller. Uh, which is kind of surprising. You think Minnesota wild, you think Brock Besser, right? Like that he's from Minnesota. He, and he's you know kind of struggling here and all, and all this stuff, but, yeah. um, you know, there's been discussions among Canucks fans for a while about, you know, if they're going to trade somebody, JT Miller probably makes the most sense from a long-term perspective, right? What we have seen from the Canucks this year is that they're not ready to compete clearly. Um, so are they going to be ready next year? I mean, I, I don't want to get into that too much, but you know, JT Miller is the oldest of sort of the core group at this point. Maybe if you exclude Ekman Larson, um, yeah. but um, for a competitive team, he's an excellent piece. He's on a cheap contract next year too. Yes,
0: um,
1: But for a team that's not in it, you know, maybe they can try to pull something. So the rumor seems to be um if JT Miller were to be traded to Minnesota, that the main piece in return would be Kevin Fiala. Mm -hmm. It would probably be Kevin Fiala plus, um, whether that's uh, they mentioned on the, uh, Ben Kuzma mentioned maybe a second, uh, maybe another player like a Jordan Greenway. Um, I mean, what's your first reaction uh, to something like this?
0: Yeah. And I'm, it echoes what a lot of people are saying in the chat, in the chat, you trade him away and you're trading away right now. You, you can argue he's the best player, but he's the most productive player. He's you, objectively, he's leading the team in points. And yeah. He's JT like 10th in the yeah. NHL. Yeah. And even JT Miller says he's not even playing well. So that that's pretty honest of him. So on one hand you say, okay, why would you do that? Cause now you're, you're basically struggling to, to create offense. On the other hand, if you don't see him in your plans and you're right, uh, you I was just thinking about something else I was going to say, but I'll get to that. So you're right. When you say, when you, when you decide on personnel issues, you don't just think short term next season. You think when you are competitive, when you're at your best, does this, this player figure to be part of that. And you're right, Parker, if, if they're not going to be at their best for another two or three years, JT, will be whatever, 32, 33, who knows what his next contract is going to be. He's, he's going to want security. Um, he's going to get a raise over his 5.25. Does that make sense for the context of where they are in their growth? So, um, you know, I like Fiala. Maybe I don't like him as much as some other people. I mean, I like him more than some other people, mm-hmm. but, uh, and the other thing I was going to say is we've seen you know, the draft two years ago was so boring. Cause we didn't have a pick until the third round last year. We didn't have a, first, a pick until the second round Klimovic. So um, do you get a first for Miller? Well, obviously it depends on what else is coming back, but uh, I could see the Canucks trying to recoup some capital for sure. If, if they don't think he's in their plans long-term.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Fiala's struggled this year too. Yeah. Um, He's been excellent. I mean, we saw him in the bubble, right. And he was a real pain uh, to the Canucks in those, just those four games that they played. Uh, But he was really good. He had three goals and an assist in those four games. Uh, But if you look at his stats, the last couple of years, right. If we go back to like 2017, 18, he had 23 goals, 48 points in 80 games. Uh, the year after he had 32 points and 64. If we look at 2019, 20, the shortened season in 64 games, he had 23 goals, 31 assists. So about a 30 goal pace. Wow. Uh, last year, the shortened season, again, 50 games, 20 goals, 20 assists. So like a 35 goal pace mm-hmm. uh, and like a 70 point pace, maybe a 65 point pace. Um, but this year, three goals and nine assists and 18 games, right? A real drop off. Now, so that that could be, you know, the wild thinking, you know, maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe that's there's so much here because it's you have to look at how how does trading JT Miller impact the locker room, uh, yeah. the other big, you know, the big contracts coming up, um, and all this stuff. How would bringing Kevin Fiala affect the team? Will Kevin Fiala return to that, you know, 30 goal pace self? Where he'd be a real genuine core piece of the team, right? Mm-hmm. Um there and you know, does giving up on this season maybe irk someone like Bo Horvat, who is you know getting up there in age already, right? He's been on the it's team, crazy. he got drafted eight years ago, or whatever it was. Like,
0: yeah,
1: you know, where there's so many little nuances to
0: this idea. Yeah. Do you so just forget about the the trade talk, just objectively, do you like Miller's passion, his F-bombs per 60, the way he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve? Do you like that?
1: Um, I don't dislike it. I right. I, I don't think I like it, as in, like, I don't think it helps. But I also don't think it hurts as much as some people make it out to. Right. Um, I, I think... I mean, I mean, he's clearly passionate and he's clearly one of the best players on the team, right? It's not like he's doing this and, and putting okay. up, you know, <laughs> 22 points a year, right? We're talking about a guy who is tied for 10th in the NHL in points well, he's a point a game player and yes. he's the only one on the team of that sort of top three. That's yeah. really doing anything right now. Right. He's, he has the right to be frustrated. I would be too. I yeah. am, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I mean, that, you know, a player like that has a lot of value. And I think, you know, if the Canucks are to make this move, Fial is not enough, right? I mean, he's really good, but we're talking about a player who's struggled so far this season, right? 12 points in 18 games, well below his pace. There's risk to that, right? Does he not bounce back to that former, you know, that former, you know, 70 point pace player? Um, So the Canucks would be assuming some risk there and, and to, account for that risk you'd want something good in return whether that's a first round pick but i I, again i don't think that gets it done i don't think i don't think minnesota's parting with a first right um kuzma says in his article that boldy like matthew boldy who the canucks were rumored to be interested in in the 2019 draft yeah um he's a he's a no-go like he's just off the board they're not going to trade him um so if it's like fiala in a second i mean Second round picks don't. I don't care that much about a second round pick. Look, it's got some good luck with seven second round picks. Hoaglander, obviously, yeah. Demko. Um, Klimovic looks like he could be one of those people, yeah. But it's a lottery ticket, right? I mean, like it's something like 30% of second round picks like play a meaningful amount of games. Do is Fiala and a 30% chance at a decent player good enough return?
0: No. Fiala and a decent player. Well, I guess it depends on how Fiala, it, yeah, that's an easy answer, but I guess it depends on how well Fiala turns out.
1: Yeah. And there's yeah. another wrinkle to it, right? Fiala is making $5.1 million this year. Yeah. Um, but his contract's up. He's an RFA um after this season. Mm. So that would be another sort of piece to it, right? Would they have like an extension worked out beforehand? Yeah, uh, would they, you know, just kick it down the road and then do it later? I don't know what his QO would be. Uh, it's a one-year contract, so it's on like the current rules, so it's probably around five point one million. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. There's just so much nuance to this it's that, it's, yes. that it's hard to really consider.
0: Okay. One last Miller question because I, I know a lot of people are talking about it. Do you think? Do you think? And we don't know. That there's a fracture in the locker room. Leadership, we've heard, leadership
1: we've, wise. we've, heard there is, um, yeah. again, I don't know how much, um, I put into that, how much yeah. stock I put into that, but we have heard that the, uh, that there is that, you know, there is a break in there somewhere and you, I mean, from everything we've seen on the ice, it's hard to, it's hard to disagree with that possibility. Yeah. Uh, right. There's clearly some sort of disconnect with this team that something isn't clicking. Um, mm-hmm. now do you think um maybe a, a coach could fix that right because what's more valuable to you a player like jt miller or a, or a coach or, right a coach who's already on the hot seat I, i'd probably go with jt miller player yes um yes, so yes. it's it is a really uh really tough uh thing to think about there
0: do you have any more banners or are we going to get to the questions in a second
1: uh, the only other banners I have um, was that playoff chances were four percent, which we went over already. And, and you yeah. are com- your face is completely frozen. Oh great! Um, but you're uh, you're you're sounding fine. So as long as the, the audio is fine, yeah. People yeah. probably are
0: happy they don't have to look at my face. Right okay. <laughs>
1: um, and there was the thirty two thoughts um, podcast that dropped today that the Canucks were a big part of. Um, but a lot of it is just sort of like, you know, there's tension within the organization. Everyone's mm-hmm. looking around. This is sort of that factions thing that you were talking about. I was, some who right. were like making alliances and all this weird stuff. And yeah, um, he, he did say one thing that was interesting, uh, is chances are a new hire will already be chosen before a move is made. Um, which means, you know, are they interviewing people? Um, he said the Canucks aren't the only one doing this right now in the NHL. So, you know, are they, you know, doing sort of hidden interviews on the side? And, uh, I, we saw Francesco having dinner with Patterson the other night. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, there, there's, a lot to, to think about.
0: Okay. So, uh, I'll ask you this then before we get to our, our fine viewers, if I gave you five choices, Parker, of what's the n- next big shooter drop or the next big decision. Um, and I'll give you the five choices of hire president, fire GM, fire coach, make a trade, or absolutely nothing. Again, all five levels. President, Is this what
1: I want G- or what's most likely?
0: What do you think's gonna happen? President, GM, coach, player thing, or absolutely nothing. What do you think's gonna happen? If
1: this homestand or if this road trip goes decently, if they go like two and three, and I say yeah. decently in air quotes, um, then <laughs> trade would be my okay. bet. If this homestand goes poorly and they say go like one and four, but they lose a couple of those games bad. Then I say, coach probably drops first, Mm. even though I would like it to be GM, and just because I think I I just think Benning and Francesco are just so tight, um, which stresses me out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking I I, I'm kind of with you. I want it to be. I don't want Benning from a personal side when he loses job, but I want I want the GM to go before the coach for sure. But you're right. If the Canucks come back 0-5, one and 4, gosh, how can you not make a move coach-wise? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it is uh, It is tough. All right. Shall we get into some questions? Sure. So as you type in your questions, Parker and I will get to it as many as we can in the next 10 minutes. Also, we always skip past it now because we're so deeply entrenched in conversation. If you have a don't do that, put that in there. If you want to throw a haiku in there and make sure it's 17 syllables, throw that in there and we'll get to as many as we can in the next 10 minutes
1: also we are eight subs away from 800 so if you haven't oh. subscribed yet uh maybe hit that button uh it helps us out and we do appreciate and if you're listening in podcast form uh leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts because that also helps us out a ton yes all yes. right let's see what is coming up here um again i haven't looked i haven't been reading much of the comments as we went uh sorry um any of these that you want to uh, that you've sort of seen over time or that you want to pick Um, out here? uh,
0: David limbs is good. Do you trade for picks or players? That depends. I believe on where you think that the, the, the franchise is, if it were me, I would trade for uh, picks because I think you, we have to, if we don't think we're going to compete for a actual truly, truly compete for the playoffs, despite what we want to do, I think you got to start to restock and you have to actually consider another, it sounds stupid, but you got to consider another rebuild.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the issue is that we sort of have the team at this point, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the team is kind of what it is. They've pushed yeah. all the chips then they haven't had first round picks the last couple of years. Um, it's like, you know, what's the, like, where, where's the support coming from? Where's the Calvary, so to speak. Um, I would say if you can get young players, like I'm yeah. talking 21, 22 year olds are, yes, yes, who, yes, yes. who at least have looked decent enough then that would be the route I would like to go. Um, Fiala at 25 makes a little bit of sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if you can get guys who are 22, 23, um, who can still sort of grow with this core and sort of try to push it forward and expand that window because the Canucks sort of went in on this three-year window That's that this is year one of, uh, it's not looking good. So if you can expand that window, make it a four or five-year window with some extra pieces, supporting pieces that are younger, uh, then that could help out. Uh, so that would yeah. be my pick.
0: I like. Uh, there's a couple questions about coaching. Uh, Edmund suggested that he knows I like Boudreaux. I like Dan Bilesma as well. Is there anyone in the top of your head that you would offer up?
1: No, uh, no. Alex Burroughs? <laughs> I don't know. I it, it's tough. Uh, there's a lot of co- there's a lot of reasoning to go to say you know. Well, do you? pick someone who's experienced and has done this before, you know, the last two Canucks coaches weren't, uh, in, uh, in Willie and Travis. Um, but I don't really like any of the options available that much, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't, I'm not in love with any of the the guys that are, that are out there. So I don't know, just pick someone good. I don't care if they've coached before, if they're coaching now, if they've never coached before, just get a good coach. I, I, (laughs) It's not my job to figure out who the coach should be. Uh, right.
0: just, just pick someone good. What do you think? Uh, Tiger Burns says, would hiring Babcock lead to a complete circus or a comedy? That name came up on yeah. Donnie and Dolly today.
1: It would be, uh, I, I think in a market like Vancouver, yeah, uh, I think it's a bad idea. Uh, it's a very, um, I just, I just don't think people, I just don't think people like him. I think he's had, he has a very negative opinion. Ap- uh, um, personal opinion on him. Uh, a lot of people dislike the way he treated his players, and that's you know why he lost his job, or not why he lost his job, but a, a big part of you know the of the issues that have arisen with him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want. Do you want someone like that in your room who has like mentally abused players in the past? That how's that going to help? Right? Yeah, we, oh, we heard Pet- it like that. Oh, no. Patterson, struggling okay well let's let's make it let's mess with his brain like let's just (laughs) i don't know any and i from all the interviews we've sort of seen on this sort of babcock redemption tour i haven't been impressed with any of the answers like i I haven't been like oh he's he he sees the errors in his ways from the past and he's he's sort of adjusting from it i don't get that vibe at all uh -hmm. i I just Mm -hmm. think i think it's asking for trouble um I just yeah, I, I think that's sort of the, my summary of it. You're asking for trouble. There's no way that he's the that you can't find a better option, right? There's gotta be someone out there who is at least maybe a little bit worse as a coach, but he's not gonna make your players hate him and um and, and make everyone not want to play hockey anymore.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh Sonny, can you get Sonny Joshi's from 1054 about Yannick Hansen? So, again, Hansen needs to be hired as assistant coach to run the PK. His analysis of our PK was inspiring. Have you heard him talk on SportsNet? And it's a weekly hit.
1: I listened a little bit to one yeah. of the clips, but I haven't listened into uh too in depth.
0: Yeah, quite uh a, a scathing's too strong of a word, very honest. Um uh, and you know, Hansen, we loved him. We we loved his work ethic. Wasn't the best player, a relatively smart player, but he was a very good secondary player behind the Sedins and Burrows and and Kessler but he's been really you know talking pretty strongly about what some of the issues are with the Canucks everything from not standing up for Pod Colson, right when he got leveled in in Vegas to to PK problems so uh, i am not i'm not sure if Hansen's angling for a job but i think he's definitely um i i like hearing ex-players talk especially the ones that aren't afraid of ramifications and and mm-hmm. Hansen has been a breath of fresh air for sure
1: and this sort of goes to my idea of like why you don't need to hire someone like Mike Babcock, right? Right. Because there are so many people who have played the game, who have not played the game that know so that know hockey, so in depth and have a really high hockey IQ. Um, yeah. You know, some of them aren't cut out for coaching like Wayne Gretzky. Um, But like, there's so many smart people that there's no way that, the 32 coaches in the NHL right now are the best options out there, right? There's mm-hmm. some up and comers or there's some people who are out of jobs that will be better. The, the, the thing is you have to find them, right? And that's really yeah. hard to do, right? It's really hard to, you know, do an interview and figure, okay, this guy's going to be a good head coach of a hockey team. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you think of, you know, there's 30 guys in the AHL who are, who are coaching and there's, you know, yeah a hundred assistant coaches around the NHL that are all sort of shooting for these jobs. Yeah. uh, And I'm sure lots of them are really smart and they really know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. Guys overseas. Yeah. There's a lot of good. Yeah. There's a lot of good coaches for sure. Um, the CNN asked a good question about three minutes ago. It says, which teams have surprised you? Yeah. Or surpassed your expectations. I I have a couple. Um, and it just
1: has surprised me. (laughs)
0: And it's easy to say Carolina and Florida because at the top of the league. But truly, I think Florida I knew was going to be good. I, Carolina is nice. Um, honestly, Calgary as much as I hate them, uh, that's a surprise. And the Rangers, the Rangers are a team that surprised me as well.
1: Yeah, Carolina, I'm not surprised they're doing well. I'm surprised they're doing this well, right? Yeah. In, in the mm-hmm. tough division they're in to be 14 two and one excuse me. That's very impressive. Um, nice. I would have expected them to be sort of second or third in that division, but they are, um, they have been very good. I thought, I didn't think the Islanders would be this bad.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> they bad.
1: have, uh, they have really struggled. And I think most of my surprises are sort of on the negative side, right? The fall from grace from Montreal going from making the Stanley cup final last year to being right there in the bottom of the league with the yeah. likes of Vancouver and Arizona and Ottawa and Seattle, in Seattle. Right? Yeah, Um, I'm not that surprised about Seattle. I didn't think they'd be this bad. I didn't think they'd be good, though. Um, I'm happy. That's kind of saying I it would have sucked if they were Vegas again. Um, The California team, Anaheim Anaheim has been a big surprise for me. Um, And it's not like they're doing excellent, but they're 10, 6 and 3. They're in a playoff spot. uh, And and I think they're probably my biggest surprise uh, so far. And I don't know if it lasts, but they have been really good.
0: Yeah, California teams have been the punching bag of the Pacific for the last few years. For a right? while, And, then, and then look what happens this year. You get Troy Terry
1: off. and apparently Terry. the best player of all time.
0: <laughs> uh, Zach, yeah, we um, we did talk uh, for about five or six minutes on Minnesota angling for Miller. So please go back and listen or watch uh, watch that a bit later. But yeah, we had, we had a good chat about it already. Thank you.
1: Yeah, awesome. you can find it on your favorite podcast platform after the show, and uh, <laughs> give us a give us a play on there. Download.
0: Barzell for Petey. who says uh, no. <laughs> who says no
1: Barzell's so good. Petterson's so good.
0: Maybe they both say no because they, they both like their players. I, I
1: bet you that's the, I bet that's the real answer. Yeah. Uh, both of them are, both of them have had sort of rough starts to the season. Yeah. Um, both of them, both teams probably believe in their, in their player more than the other team's player. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say both teams say no uh, to yeah. that.
0: I think that's fair. I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah.
1: Hmm. All right. Uh, any other ones you want to grab here?
0: Um, I, I like uh, Nick's question just from two seconds ago. Is it just me or is Bo Horvat disappointed as a leader this season? What do you think of his leadership, his captaincy?
1: It's so hard to gauge. Um, and a lot of it just comes from we don't see behind the scenes, right? Um, yeah. You know, you could have looked at Henrik Sedin as the captain and be like, oh, he's not vocal. He's not like out there firing his team up. You know, he's quiet. He's reserved. And, you know, there were people who wrote articles like that, you know, during that tenure. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's it's about, I mean, I, I think a big part of Horvat's game is leading by example, which struggles when he's not playing very well, right? So yeah. you could have a negative uh, thought there. Um, but I mean, I, I, mean, I think he's someone who has belief and I, I don't know. I, 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 like before a lot as a leader, as a, as a player, um, I don't, I haven't really thought of him negatively as a captain.
0: I'm with you and you, you, know, and not just cause he is my favorite player on the Canucks. I, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of the misgivings that a lot of people do. I, I know people are, are frustrated, right? They're, they're disappointed. They're looking for scapegoats or, or reasons, and you, you can look at the captain always because you're wondering what's happening. And if you hear about fractures in the room or people aligning with other people, but he seems pretty uh, steady, Eddie, pretty confident. I'm, I'm not worried about his leadership. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, last question we're going to take from Jason here uh, saying a pains on the hypothetical of green getting fired during the road trip because it's less drama when they're away.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, there's gonna be drama no matter what, but I I can see that there's less distraction or there's less whatever I, and we kind of talked about this earlier, Parker, if they go one and four, one and four, one and five, maybe, Mm -hmm. but do they do it at the start of the trip? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, I, I wonder, I wonder what the stat is on that. Like how, where coaches get fired, like how often it's at home versus on like a road trip. Yeah. Cause they could do it. You know, let's say they do Let's say they lose the first three games of the road trip, which is fairly reasonable, right? Pittsburgh, Columbus, Boston, like the three hardest games, of the road trip by far, if they lose those ones pretty bad. Uh, and then they were to fire the coach, then I don't know. I, I could see it. I, would it make less drama? I don't think so. I think in, in this social media world, it's going to be just as big of a deal as if it happened in the middle of a homestand. Um, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me because, oh, well, then they don't have to face the Vancouver media, right? Jim Benning can do a Zoom press conference from Ottawa or Montreal or whatever, and it's a, a whole different vibe, but
0: mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good point, though. I was th- actually thinking that through. The difference would be you'll have two or three reporters in the room and a dozen on Zoom versus a dozen in the room. Mm. But yeah, but you're right. They they won't they won't care whether they're home or away if they think they have to make a change. But as we talked about in the first half of this, we don't think that they're going to make a change yet.
1: Right. Yeah. But it, And if they were to fire just the coach yeah. and then they trot Jim Benning out, I don't know. I, I just feel no. like that's a recipe for disaster. I but if they t- fire them both, what, they're going to put Francesco on the podium? There's no shot. I mean, they he hasn't, hasn't talked. Francesco hasn't no. talked to the media in like years.
0: Maybe they should put you and me on the podium.
1: Well, I, I'm just going to agree with what the reporters are saying. And they're like, hey, you guys are right. This team's not playing good. <laughs> I'm just up there like with the with the fake Canucks background, like literally on an official call. Yeah, yeah Jim Benning should be fired. <laughs> can,
0: you, can you imagine? You, yeah, press conference and the reporter says something. You go, Yes, next question, yeah, yes
1: Jeff's like, you know, the team's not performing. uh <laughs> you know, Bo Horvat hasn't been playing very well, uh, you know, no points in his last nine games at this point. I'm yeah. like, yes, he's not playing well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like what am I gonna say, right?
0: Ah uh... so should we try and predict uh, to end off uh, how they're gonna do they only have two games this week, you know Wednesday, Friday, three Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I think so, yeah. Um,
1: do you want to predict the whole road trip or just in the first three games, let's do the
0: whole road trip. Let's let's go big
1: one, three, one. Uh, they beat Ottawa. They lose to Montreal in overtime. They lose the first three games of the road trip. Uh, Travis green is fired after the third game.
0: Oh, you just while laying down the hammer.
1: Yeah. Next week when we're on this show, he will not be the head coach of the team.
0: Wow. that's my that's my
1: that's my prediction
0: clip that parker clip <laughs> that with your nice hair clip it no, i mean don't if I'm wrong, I'm wrong i'm
1: yeah. wrong but that's that's my guess
0: we should have a bet loser has to cut his hair no i'm just kidding
1: i need a haircut <laughs> I'm not
0: a... mine there's no difference okay <laughs> um so you're going one three and one you know i was going to go two two and one but i'm gonna just for the heck of it and just because i want to be bold i'm going three one and one who do they beat they take the two Canadian teams, yep, and they take uh, uh, the game you wouldn't expect. So Columbus. so they lose Pittsburgh, they lose they get a point from one of Boston or Pittsburgh. they beat Columbus, Ottawa Montreal. I I don't think it's gonna happen, but I'm just I want it to happen.
1: That's a, a good take. I love it. Um, so I have seven
0: okay. points. you have three.
1: <laughs> I have three and something changes. Um, and my guess is green. Let's see. we'll uh we'll we'll find out um all right is it time to wrap up i think it's time to wrap up i think uh the like i said in the title the canucks are cursed um (laughs) it has been pain uh for forever and (sighs) it will continue to be pain so strap in make sure you're subscribed to canucks after dark make sure you're subscribed to both of our youtube channels i'm parker Spock, he's Canuck clay Uh, you can follow us on twitter uh you guys know the whole spiel at this point everything's linked in the description um, links to the if you missed any part of the show, you can rewind to the beginning here on YouTube. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform. All of that uh, good stuff. Uh, Clay, any parting words?
0: I'm just excited for a massive show next week. No matter what happens, I think it's just gonna be a mass- I just have a feeling it's gonna be a massive show. It's
1: gonna be uh, exciting. The Canucks play next Monday, don't they?
0: Uh, Wednesday the you
1: oh. we Go back to back. Uh, Sunday, Monday. Really? So they, yeah. So they play Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday against the Bruins at four, and then Monday against the Habs at four thirty. Oh, I thought which Montreal, means we'll have was, four games yeah. to talk about.
0: Wow! And that so that Monday game? Oh, yes, back east. So we have time to decompress and then come on here. Okay. Yeah. Great.
1: All right. Have a good one, everyone. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the week goes well, uh, whichever you define well as. Uh, and with that, we will talk to you. Uh, next, next Monday.